folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. I'm Taneo Gwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. To another episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here, along with Will Raggett from Sports Illustrated, covers the Vikings. Uh, Will, right now, I am feverishly refreshing Twitter over and over again because apparently Harrison Smith has unfollowed the Vikings on Twitter, and we know that you do have to pay attention to Twitter actions from Vikings players from the Stefan Diggs saga. Um, here, let me just ask you right off the top. Do you think that this gets wilder than we expected with this trade deadline? Because I think a lot of us, including me, thought uh, Ngakwe, not crazy to trade away. Kyle Rudolph, Riley Reef, those are the obvious ones. But if Harrison Smith and even Adam Thielen has been rumored, then it is on in terms of taking this entire thing apart all the way down to the screws. Yeah, I don't know if it'll get wilder than we expect. I mean, you've got guys like Riley Reef and Kyle Rudolph who I think – are probably on their way out if the Vikings can find a deal where they, they like the compensation. But it would really get wild if a Harrison Smith or an Adam Thielen or someone like that who's been such a key piece of one side of the ball for the last five-plus years, in Smith's case, for almost a decade. I think that would get quite wild. I don't know about how much you can really believe the whole Harrison Smith unfollowing the team on Twitter and Instagram I don't know for sure that he was following them in the first place or if that was an intentional action, but I don't think you're going to see any cryptic tweets coming from Harrison Smith, but something to watch. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see because, because Rick Spielman really seemed to indicate during his press conference that this is not a rebuild, blah, blah, blah. But saying things is one thing and what you actually do is another thing. And we saw him trade Gakwe and we know he loves to, to pull the trigger on, on deals and, Trader Rick is, is nicknamed for a reason. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be fascinating, and I'm sure people are going to be overanalyzing every little thing on, on social media or every rumor coming out of uh, wherever. So it's going to be a, an interesting couple of weeks here. 
So in the past, whatever Rick has said when it comes to trades has been the exact opposite. Uh, I think he said famously something to the extent of, we have no intention to trade Percy Harvin, and they did. And then Diggs. Uh, and yeah. Diggs, right? I asked uh, Spielman last year at the Combine, has Stefan Diggs asked you for a trade? Or do you plan to trade him? And it was a flat no. That's not going to happen. I also asked him on the Zoom call I said, have any other veterans asked you to be traded? And he said, no. And that was how the whole thing ended. And I thought, that probably means yes. And if I'm Harrison Smith, I'm saying, let me go. Let me go somewhere where I could potentially win a championship because his talents on this team are being wasted. Uh, I think he's had a totally fine year and he's been pretty much the same Harrison Smith, but the cornerbacks have just been horrendous and don't even know where to go. Uh, If you watch back the... Falcons tape there's some real baffling things where you can tell Harrison is at his wits end with this defense and if he wanted to be traded to a winner I think you honor that because of what he's done for you not to mention the fact that he needs a new contract he's going to go into the last year of his deal with no guaranteed money yet which is always the sign to sign a contract extension but you're talking about a guy who's over 30 years old I I think that there's been some writing on the wall it's just would they actually get in a position where they could do it? I didn't think they would. I didn't think they'd be one in five, but if there was ever a time to do it, it's now. Yeah. And he's a guy who you can get a a pretty solid return for, I would imagine, considering he's still playing at a very high level. Yes. He's 31 years old, but he's a guy who could come into any scheme and I think pick up on it really quickly with all the things that he's, he's been through and learned in Minnesota and just kind of be a leader on on in any secondary in this league and make a lot of teams better. So I think there are plenty of teams out there who could use help at the safety position. So it'll be really interesting. I don't know. With the safety position for the Vikings, I mean, there's a lot of ways that it could unfold going forward. You've got Smith and you've got Anthony Harris, who's a couple of years younger, but also not a young player. Right. Uh, and hasn't been quite as good as he was the past couple of years to start this year, but nothing too concerning there. So what do you do? I mean, you have nobody after those two guys, depending on how you feel about Josh Metellus, which I don't think anybody's anointing him as a successor, as a starting safety without having seen anything from him yet. You could draft one soon, but if you trade Smith, then maybe you're you're probably looking at trying to extend Harris. You probably wouldn't franchise tag him again because that's going to get expensive. But it's always kind of seemed to me like maybe they'll pick one of these guys to keep in the future. I thought it was going to be Smith. Uh, I think you could extend him even even with how old he is. I wouldn't be too worried about a major drop-off in his play over the next couple of years, although it will happen eventually. But maybe now if they trade Smith, then Harris becomes the guy that they kind of say, okay, uh, we are going to keep you around. Obviously, he's a little bit younger. And, and maybe once the, the secondary is good again, hopefully, with the, the corners developing, he'll still be there and he'll still be uh, in his prime enough to, to come out of the other side of a rebuild. And this sort of circles back in a way if you start trading players like Harrison Smith to the Mike Zimmer conversation of, like, is Zimmer going to want to be a part of this or would he ask even himself to be traded if they're starting to move out all these guys that have been with him for so long? But also a trade of Harrison Smith means we're not even sure we're going to be good in 2021. I mean, I mean, I remember going back to the beginning of the season saying, you know, th- this might be an 8-8 eight and eight type of year. It might even be worse. Eric Eager for Pro Football Focus on the show predicted 6-10, and 10, and he's kind of on par right now. But I think we all looked at it and said, 
Well, right, but you know, you've drafted all of these guys and you get some cap space after 2020, so 2021 should be your goal. But when you're moving out potential Hall of Fame level talents like Harrison Smith and you, you're moving out other guys who are staples and veterans, that's going to be so many things to replace in one offseason and you already traded away your second. I mean, how much more draft capital can you get that's going to allow you to rebuild all of those things by 2021? It just, it, it, I think it would be a sign him or Adam Thielen are both moving that this is a long-term thing and then it almost guarantees that you'd be drafting a quarterback and thinking much more out toward the future yeah I know we're we're probably going to talk about some of the the quarterbacks here but yeah there's there's two ways you can kind of approach this you can do sort of what the Vikings did this offseason and go for kind of a short rebuild and think that hey maybe we don't need to drastically overhaul this thing. We were a playoff team last year, two of the past three years. I mean, you can you can trade guys like Kyle Rudolph and Riley Reef and guys who aren't necessarily – I mean, Riley Reef's having a good year, and, and Kyle Rudolph's still playing a lot. But things that wouldn't make you too much worse, and when, especially when you have those immediate replacements in like Ezra Cleveland and, and Irv Smith uh, and whoever it may be, that you could still realistically compete for a playoff spot in 2021 if you kind of – overhaul a minor overhaul and build with some young players developing or you can do and maybe there are people who will argue that this is what they should do is that they shouldn't get caught in that in-between spot at all and they should really just kind of tear things down for lack of a better term and and look to build for 2022 or 2023 and clear out future salaries and accumulate draft picks and, and draft that quarterback or bring in a couple young quarterbacks maybe for a competition and just kind of give up on this current Kirk Cousins thing. But as I know you've discussed on, on the podcast before, I mean, can you do that as, as Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman without the assurance that you're still going to be there? And if, if you don't have that assurance that, hey, build this thing for the next three years, you're good, then you're probably going to go for the former option, which is trying to sort of do a slight rebuild, more of like a retooling thing is, is, is the word that we would use to describe what they try to do this year. And, try to compete in 2021. So which direction they go, I think we're going to find out a lot about which direction they go in the next 10 days or so for that trade deadline. The initial reaction that I had to the idea of trading Adam Thielen was, I don't think you really want to do that um, because a, I think he's a receiver that can age pretty well. He wins with his route running his hands. Um, you know, he can still get down the field pretty well and he could be good for the next five years. I mean, I think receivers go into their thirties, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, you know, look at him. He was able to succeed for a very long time. And I think Thielen is kind of similar in the fact that he's not a four, three burner who relies entirely on his speed. It's more of, he can get open. He's smart. He understands how the offense works and he's going to make every catch that comes his way. So my thing was, I don't know if you want to try to replace that because if you look at free agent receivers year in and year out, yikes. I mean, I think the best guy last year was like Bashad Perriman. I mean, there weren't too many super. Robbie Anderson's having a good year. For yeah, the Robbie Panthers, Anderson. Yeah. Yes, yes. Good point. Good point. But even Robbie Anderson is That's a, rare. a notch way below. And it's not like you get these guys on free agency all the time. And then with the draft, you hit a home run with Justin Jefferson. You'd love to take one of the receivers in this next draft, but you might have to spend that draft pick on a quarterback. 
So I think you get left in a pretty difficult position. He is expensive, but I, I guess you'd really be projecting a ways out. Like, is he going to fall off after two, three years? That that one is much tougher than the Harrison Smith idea because he's already plus side of 30 and he's going to be super expensive if you re-sign him, where Thielen is still under contract. That one is much tougher for me to say, oh, yeah, definitely trade away Thielen too. Yeah, I agree. And I just think you, you can look at it a few ways. I mean, wide receiver is a more important position than safety. I think it's more valuable overall in the, in the grand scheme of things. Also, Adam Thielen, I mean, you, you look at the Vikings wide receiver depth right now, and they don't have much at all. I, I mean, B.C. Johnson was a nice little story last year but he's been pushed out of the depth chart by Chad Beebe. Uh, you don't have, I mean, Alexander Hollins isn't even on the active roster. There's nobody really down there under Thielen and Jefferson that you feel good about going for it. So if you trade Thielen, you're down to Justin Jefferson and uh, basically nothing else. So you would have to look to, like you said, maybe draft a receiver early. And I think you could consider drafting a receiver early, even if you keep uh, Adam Thielen, but Getting rid of him then creates a ton of question marks at that position. And you don't want Jefferson to be the only guy. I mean, if teams can can constantly be giving safety help over the top against him and identify him as that, that one option that they're not going to let beat them, I think that can potentially limit some of his effectiveness. So I I think if you get a really, really, really good return for, for Adam Thielen, it's something you should consider mm-hmm. just because of the way this season's going and, and things like that. But I think I would try to hold on to him. Because, like you said, I agree that he can be a guy who remains effective uh, coming out of the other side of a rebuild, like I mentioned earlier, kind of with with Anthony Harris. Someone did give up a second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu last year. I mean, so there are teams that get desperate, and if that happens and someone says, you know what, how about that late first-round pick for Adam Thielen? That's going to be really tough to pass up because I think you need multiple firsts and multiple seconds if you're going to rebuild to be great as they go down the stretch here. But, boy, I mean, this team could go from, hey, you still got some of the bones of what you were and some exciting players that are young that are mixed in there to all of a sudden, oh my gosh, this is an entirely new franchise that you are putting out on the field as opposed to having the the longtime stars. And like you said, if you move out Kyle Rudolph, okay, well, that's all right because Irv Smith is right behind him. Even if you move away from Reef, it's either Ezra Cleveland or I would even say that Rashad Hill has a chance to play and show them that he could potentially be a starter. I know that they were ready to do that anyway. So maybe if they see Ezra Cleveland as a long-term guard, which again, Spielman would not say anything about when he was asked is Ezra Cleveland a guard or tackle. And he said he played good against the Falcons. Okay. That doesn't answer the question. Um, So I don't know for sure. I would like to see Ezra Cleveland play left tackle if they move out reef, but those are kind of no big deal types of moves when it comes to Thielen and Smith, who would have still been impact players in 2021, then it becomes much bigger. All of this, in some way or another, circles back to the quarterback position. Because if you are in a massive rebuild and you are moving out parts and people are calling about Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen, then why do you need a quarterback who is making oodles and oodles of cash? And uh, also, I think that people have really come around to the idea that Kirk Cousins peaked in 2019 and that's about as good as it's going to get as a 10 win quarterback, not terrible, not going to destroy your franchise at his best, but at his worst, as we've seen uh, one in five is where you end up when he doesn't have everything working around him. And with the contract, it really points to the Alex Smith chief situation. 
good, not great. This is the time to draft a quarterback this year. So here is what I have started, Will. And I love that you got right on board, that you were on Twitter (laughs) watching college football and you jumped right in. So I was happy about that. That's why I wanted to do this podcast with you. I'm calling it Skull Searching. I put it out there to Twitter. We need to name this thing where we look and track very closely the draft eligible quarterback. So if you're a Twitter person, if you search the hashtag skull searching, you'll see Vikings fans talking about future quarterbacks. So give that a try. And I'm also making it a part of the website as well, that we're going to have to follow these guys really closely every week. And uh, I, I have at least the top three on the skull searching leaderboard. And I think we can extend this even out a little bit more. Um, But right now, will my skull searching leaderboard is Trevor Lawrence, number one, Justin Fields, number two. And after last night, Zach Wilson is number three. And I think we need to talk about Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. So give me your take yesterday after watching Justin Fields. I think he completed one pass yesterday in complete dominance over Nebraska. Yeah, he had one incompletion, and it was a drop touchdown in the end zone. I mean, Justin Fields, and we knew this coming into this year, he is really, really good. He doesn't look like the prototypical quarterback in terms of the build and, and height and all that like Trevor Lawrence does. But he's one of these guys who is becoming more and more the, the new flavor in the NFL, a dual-threat guy who he had a, a spin move running yesterday that was really impressive. And the thing about him is he's not – too quick to take off or anything like that. He's not super jittery in the pocket. He's got good pocket presence, and he's got a great arm. I mean, he he made a couple throws yesterday that were just very, very impressive. So the thing that I'm starting to, to think about Justin Fields, even after one game, and this was probably true coming into the season anyway, is that he's the number two overall player in, in this draft class. I mean, there are just too many teams who need a quarterback that if you find a team at number two, that doesn't necessarily need a quarterback, say that's maybe the Dolphins with that Houston pick or the the, the Bengals who just got Burrow, uh, I think they might look to trade that because there are just so many – this is going to be an, an arms race for these top few quarterbacks. So I think Fields goes two, and from what I've seen from the Vikings, I don't think they're going to get that high in the draft order. I was following uh, on Twitter and just just watching today some of the, the bad teams – and the kind of the tank watch for the Vikings. And I think like three or four of them were leading at halftime. And then all but the Washington football team, which blew out the Cowboys, then blew those leads in the second half. The Jets <laughs> yes. were up against the Bills and lost because they're the Jets. I think they had four yards total four in the yards. second half. Yep. The the Falcons were leading the Lions and then found a way to lose by accidentally scoring a touchdown. Uh, Todd Gurley couldn't <laughs> stay out. So see, these teams are bad, and they're going to find ways to lose games. I, I do think the Vikings are – are bad enough to, especially if they trade some pieces, be in the five to ten range, uh, or m- maybe even, yeah, maybe even the top five. But you got to look at, can, is there a chance they can get Fields? And then after that, I think more realistically, you're talking about guys like Zach Wilson, who you mentioned, who has just been a star so far. Is kind of this year's Joe Burrow. Not not saying that he's going to become the number one overall pick because there wasn't last year. There wasn't a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields, but he. Uh, Wilson is working his way up the up the draft boards with a really strong start for BYU. Granted, they haven't really played anybody, but you can still see the, the flashes of NFL talent from him. And then Trey Lance, who is a weird prospect to evaluate because he was so good last year, but North Dakota State had one game this year as a little showcase thing, and he wasn't even that great. So that's going to be an interesting conversation for that number three spot, assuming Fields keeps playing at a really high level. 
Go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen this stuff yet and you've been listening to this podcast, what are you doing? Make sure you go check it out. A couple of my favorite designs. They've got new gritty gear after the Vikings young superstar receiver and the Duck Duck, Gray Duck, and much, much more. Uh, All their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies, a few of which I have myself. You will love it. We are going to hook you up, by the way, with free shipping on your next order. Use Purple Insider for free shipping. The promo code Purple Insider. That's SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Right, and Trey Lance, for me, is right after those guys. And then we've got kind of a different level of, say, like your – your Kyle Trask, your Brock Purdy, guys that might not be necessarily early first-round picks, but maybe later first-round picks, second-round picks, and those are the ones that shuffle around a ton. I think the guys we're talking about, they're going to be up in in the upper echelon. They've already established that, like Justin Fields. Um, But the Trey Lance thing is fascinating because there's now buzz that Trey Lance could be the second quarterback off the board. But when I watched Justin Fields yesterday, he did a few things. I mean, one, he throws a touchdown that was just a laser beam like special arm talent that gets you drafted super high in that same play where he threw the touchdown the thing that I loved about it was there was pressure up the middle and he did a thing that is actually allowed in the game in the rules I checked the rule book he moved and then he threw it he didn't stand there and let his guard get run right back into him he sensed the pressure and he slid and then he fired it and then another thing he took off and he had a spin move at the goal line to score a touchdown and that's what you're talking about with kind of a dual threat type of thing that the NFL is going toward with a lot of their quarterbacks even Burrow can move and be mobile even if you're not a running quarterback Wilson is really fascinating though because arm talent just through the roof he had a play for BYU where he rolls out right and throws it 50 60 yards left all the way across the field for a touchdown and you just went like okay wow and what we're seeing I think with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and uh, Deshaun Watts and some of the great younger quarterbacks in the NFL is it's got to be special like there has to be either the special arm talent, the the special athleticism, the special processing, um, because uh, you know when we see these quarterbacks who are kind of in the meh with a lot of decent skills and maybe he's pretty accurate or something, they just haven't really worked out uh, recently. And you see that from Josh Rosen, you see that from Sam Darnold. Um, Darnold was supposed to have great arm talent, but that's never shown up. Um, really for the Jets consistently for them, um, you know, to win. Like he never gets any blame for losing, but he has not been good either. And he hasn't elevated them either. Uh, so anyway, Wilson, you mentioned the, the co- quality of competition. He's completing 76% of his passes though. Like this is the Josh Allen thing where he didn't rip up bad competition. Well, that's what Zach Wilson is doing. And I think he's been really, really fun to watch his emergence because that arm is something special. Yeah, it is something special. And there's a little bit of kind of a Mahomes-like quality almost to him where he is not afraid to, to throw the ball downfield. I mean, I don't, I can't even name any of BYU's receivers, but he trusts <laughs> them and, and he steps up in the pocket and makes plays. He makes plays on the run. That one you were talking about was like an off-balance throw from the right going back to the left. That was crazy. I know it was against Texas State, but it's at a certain point, you can still evaluate what he's doing as a player and kind of ignoring the competition to a degree and he looks really really good 
16 touchdowns, one interception so far this year. So he's a guy, like I said, just rocketing up draft boards. And, and there's going to be a lot of conversations, I think, about that Fields, Lance, and now Wilson, I think, is moving into that tier. The thing for me about Trey Lance is we're talking about the running with, with Justin Fields, but Trey Lance is also a very, very gifted runner. And the thing about him is he's bigger than Fields. So he's got almost the, the – and, I, again, these, these comparisons I don't think are super accurate, but just trying to get a general sense. I mean, I think Trey Lance has a little bit of Cam Newton in him yeah. with yeah. just the size and the running ability. Like early Cam Newton was – Cam's still a very, very talented runner. But Trey Lance, the upside is through the roof, just with the build, the arm talent, the running ability. And in that showcase game against Central Arkansas – he threw a pick, which he didn't do all of last year, and didn't look fantastic as a passer, although he showed, had some good moments. But he looked really, really good as a runner. And I think that's the thing mm-hmm. that for guys who are good at that, that's always going to be there. I mean, we, we've seen with Kyler Murray this year, he has not been great as a passer. Mm-hmm. And the accuracy, he still needs to improve. He, he went 9 of 21 last Monday night against the Cowboys, I believe. But the running floor is there. He's had like 70 yards rushing something like every week, and he's getting in for – for rushing touchdowns all the time. So when you can do that, that gives you just another way to move the ball, to sustain drives, and to create big plays. So that's something that's really appealing to me about about Fields and Lance. And I think Wilson can move a little bit too. He's, he's, not, a, he's not a running quarterback per se, but uh, he, he's got some mobility. He's a good athlete. He's a BYU QB, which makes you think he's probably like 28, but he's not. He's only <laughs> like 21. Yeah, uh, He is a normal prospect age. So – yeah, those three guys, I, I think, are the ones to watch the rest of the year. And then you do also uh, have to talk about the, the next tier if the Vikings aren't able to get one of those top guys like the Kyle Trasks and Brock Purdy's. And Tanner Morgan did not have a, a great first game for the Gophers last night against Michigan, although a lot of stuff was weird on special teams with that game. Um, and Northwestern quarterback Peyton Ramsey looked quite good. I don't think he's much of a draft prospect, but I will say <laughs> – Cats looked pretty good last night in a blowout win over Maryland, who I think is just terrible. But, yeah, there's a lot of quarterbacks in, the, in that next tier that could maybe be day two guys or even late first. But I think Wilson is kind of solidifying himself as he's no longer in that tier. He, he's mm-hmm. making this a top four. I think you were suspended from this podcast for Northwestern bias once before. So uh, <laughs> going to be going to be flagged I'll, for that I'll, one. I'll tread carefully. <laughs> um, so skull searching is what we're calling this. When Whenever we give our update, which I'm going to make a thing on the podcast all the time, is to talk about what we saw for the previous week's uh, quarterback. So look forward to that. Um, I have a game for you, as I always do. Okay. Well. I always have something for you because you enjoy yep. this. Um, so here's what I've come up with. Uh, hilarious wet blanket criticisms of draft quarterback prospects. Okay. So just since I started skull searching and talking about these quarterbacks yesterday, these are all criticisms that I got of Zach Wilson or Justin Fields who were kind of my focus in watching yesterday. Okay. Uh, let's start with Justin Fields. I want you to rank them. Uh, okay, so okay. Fields, Fields is not big enough is the first one. Uh, Ohio state quarterbacks have not worked out recently is the next one. Uh, And he uh, cannot win unless the Vikings get an offensive line. And he has so much time to pass with that Ohio state system that he won't possibly do that in the NFL. So there's your four hilarious nonsense criticisms of Justin Fields, rank them one through four. Okay. So I I think the top one is the size thing, because I think that's just kind of 
a pointless thing. I mean, you don't need to be six seven to play quarterback in the NFL. Number two, I would say, is that he's not going to win because the, until the Vikings get an offensive line. I mean, yeah, the the Vikings should get an offensive line. That's completely separate from their pursuit of a quarterback. <laughs> Any quarterback they take is going to benefit from having a good offensive line, but that doesn't mean you don't take that quarterback. Like, just because you don't have a great offensive line doesn't mean, okay, we're just going to keep trotting out a lesser quarterback who will perform worse than a better quarterback and is unable to make up for that offensive line thing, which you mentioned with Fields having a good uh, ability to move around the pocket and step up and avoid avoid pressure. So I'd say that's that's number two. Um, number three, I, I the system thing with Ohio State, I, the, those other two kind of go hand in hand with the Ohio State offense and um, the uh, recent Ohio State quarterbacks. Now, I, is the only example of that Dwayne Haskins or are there other, I can't even, I guess JT Barrett was never really a prospect. Cardell Jones was never much of a prospect. So I think it's pretty clear that Justin Fields is on a different level from all those guys, even, even from Haskins, who had a great uh, college career at, at Ohio State. Fields is on another level as a prospect. And the system, yeah, I mean, it just be, he looks good in the system, but he should look good in the system. That doesn't mean he can't um, thrive in, in any kind of offense. See, I think the funniest one uh, is the Ohio State quarterbacks haven't worked out. Like, what does yeah. Terrell Pryor have to do with Justin Fields? <laughs> These are, yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? All those Miami of Ohio quarterbacks that followed Roethlisberger, man, they just, you know, didn't work out. Why? How about all the great quarterbacks at Kale before Aaron Rodgers and then after Aaron Rodgers? How about Auburn? Are they uh, quarterback university since Cam Newton, or were they before Cam Newton? Jason Campbell worked out, so that's why they drafted well, the, the, like. The perfect example of that is the Texas Tech thing, how everyone was right. like, oh, we play in the air raid offense. Like, it's it's inflated numbers, Graham Harrell, blah, blah, yes. blah. And then Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world. So right. the That's college true. that they went to does not matter. you got to evaluate the prospect and what they do as an individual. Even though sports took a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that means hiring is more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gets you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire and with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each month indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need just like they have for over three million businesses right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollar credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast try Indeed with $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action with Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, and futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, these are wet blanket criticisms of Zach Wilson, and you can rank them. Uh, One, he looks like he's 13 years old. That's actually true, but um, I don't know how valid it is as a criticism. He doesn't complete accurately passes between one and five yards. This was something that was actually tweeted to me. Uh, He is not dual threat enough, and he's just another Kirk Cousins. Those are the – and, I mean, he needs guards pretty much always shows up no matter what you're talking about. But, like, rank rank those, that he is very young-looking, he is just another Kirk Cousins, he isn't dual threat, and he isn't accurate between one and five yards. He's completing 76% of his passes, by the way. I'm just editorializing a bit there. Those are all quite good. I mean, in terms of not good, but funny. Like, oh, they're all pretty ridiculous. I, I guess the, I, I'll start with last. I think the one valid-ish one there is saying that he, he doesn't have the same rushing ability as some of the other guys. I think, yeah, he's not a, a complete dual threat, but you don't, you don't need to be. I think he's athletic enough. But I think that's the one out of those four that you could actually have a real conversation about. The, I'll, for number one, I'll go with the he's just another Kirk Cousins because I'm almost positive that was just some bitter Vikings fan who thinks that every quarterback the Vikings get is going to be Kirk Cousins. Like there, there aren't any real, <laughs> right. there aren't any real comparisons there. I mean, they're very different players from from what I've seen of Wilson. So I, I would put that at number one. Um, Number two is, I guess, just that he looks 13 years old. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's funny, and he he does look quite young, um, but not a not a real thing. And, and then what was, what was the what was the other one? You should be sensitive to this personally because you look way older than you are. So you have That's the true. exact opposite problem. Um, we also had we had dual threat, and we had he couldn't complete passes accurately oh, yeah. one to five yards. Yeah, I, I am sure if that is any sort of real issue, which I doubt is prob that's probably like he missed an easy throw one time and somebody saw yes. that and made a bold proclamation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that is true at all, I, I'm sure he will be fine improving on the, the screen game and the short passes and things like that. Because generally if you can throw the long ball well, which we know he can, and he's just dropped some absolute dimes in the intermediate and deep areas of the field this year, he'll probably be fine on the short yardage. I mean, those passes are the ones that Sean Mannion can make. I mean, that, that's, that's like being inaccurate on those. I'm not saying it's impossible, but if you are an NFL level prospect who, like you said, can drop dimes 25, 35 yards down the field consistently, 
you're probably not going to have this problem that's so huge with one-yard passes. Like, I'm sorry, I can't draft. I mean, that'd be like, what, Chuck Knobloch yips where he just throws it into the ground? Like, what? Uh, And, you know, Pro Football Focus has looked at this when it comes to the short passes and more or less found that Drew Brees and someone of Sean Mannion's level are no different when throwing a bubble screen. It's really the intermediate is what separates the great quarterbacks. And then, you know, the deepest part of it, but as we've seen with Cousins, you only get so many chances at those deep ones. It's really when it's third and seven and you need to throw a dime for 10 yards, that's where the quarterbacks separate themselves. And if you search by uh, who has the best third and long performances, it's all the best quarterbacks. So that's what I look for. And, and the difference with Wilson and Cousins, like, okay, the size isn't that different, but the arm talent is outrageously different. Like Cousins is very accurate and can throw it down the field pretty far, but he requires this big windup to do it. He needs time to be able to do it. And I think it's one of the reasons why he doesn't throw the tight window throws all that often is because his he just needs this windup and he needs to be on a perfect platform to see Wilson roll to his right, turn his hips and fling it the other direction, 50 yards. Like that's just not possible for cousins. There was a play and I'm sure you noticed this, uh, I believe against the Falcons where cousins rolls out and Justin Jefferson is coming across the field wide open, but he's like 30 yards down the field and cousins just like throws it out of bounds or something. Like I can't make that throw with what I have for arm talent. So I'm sorry, Justin Jefferson. And he did the right thing for his talent, but I think that Zach Wilson can make that throw. And like you said, a lot of the elite arms can't. Yeah. I think that's a perfect example. Cause I remember having, we had a good angle from on that one in the press box where you had Jefferson breaking open on this deep crosser and Cousins just has a guy in his face. And if, if Zach Wilson does what he did on that play that we're discussing and, and just kind of gets the quick release, knows he's going to take a hit, but knows that he can make that throw on the run, he can get it off in time and, and still get enough power on it despite having the guy in his face, that could be a huge play. And Kirk Cousins just made the correct decision that he wasn't going to be able to get it off because he doesn't have – that kind of a lightning quick release like that or, or the power to, to make that throw on the run. And and he's actually – Cousins has, has been better this year in terms of making some plays on the run and off script and he even scrambled a few times early on, and then I think he's given up on that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, but still, he's not nearly on the same level as some of these really elite quarterbacks. Like we've seen Justin Herbert doing it a lot, yeah. uh, throwing on the run and throwing some dimes. And just having a guy like that with a big arm – but an arm that's accurate and, and can, can throw from, from really any angle and from any part of the pocket or outside the pocket just makes such a big difference, especially when you don't have a great offensive line. So that's something that really stands out to me about Wilson, and I'm excited to keep watching him all year. Now, I said on a different podcast somewhere along the line, I don't remember when, that people could send me their Kirk Cousins trade ideas. One that I thought was actually sort of intriguing is kind of off the table, I think, after the way Baker Mayfield played today. I don't think that they would trade you straight up Cousins for Mayfield. But I kind of loved it. Like, oh, yeah, send him back to Stefanski. He's probably better than Mayfield. Then you could just cut Mayfield after this year if you don't like him. Um, But that one might be off the table. Now we'll... Let's wrap up with this. People want him traded to Dallas after um, Andy Dalton is injured and Dallas is a complete disaster. So analyze a trade of Kirk Cousins to the Dallas Cowboys for me. Well, I think it's worth talking about because you never know with with Jerry Jones if he's going to want to do something bold like that and then 
try to save their season. And really, I mean, it's not going to take much to win that division. So I think Kirk Cousins right. could could win that division with the Dallas Bills with those with those three really good receivers and, and with Zeke Elliott, who I know has had some fumbling issues and I think uh, like tipped the ball for an interception in the end zone today or something like that. But I don't think it's really that realistic at all, just because. The Cowboys, from what they've said, they they had, they expect Dak Prescott to be back next year. They still like him as their future guy, and with Kirk Cousins' contract, it's not ideal to just take him in and say, "Okay, you're going to be the guy for the rest of this year," and then I don't. Well, then what do you do with him going forward? So that that's why I don't think that'll happen. You can't count it out, like I said, because who knows with, with Jerry Jones? But um, yeah, the, the Cowboys are a mess. Uh, I don't know if Mike McCarthy is going to last the entire year there. That's kind of a separate discussion from the Kirk Cousins trade stuff, but that team is an absolute mess right now. And now, yeah, if, if they don't have Dak or Dalton, is what, Ben DiNucci at quarterback? Like, <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. see. I mean, I, they could just get desperate, but there are probably quarterbacks that they could trade for or pick up off someone's practice squad or something like that that aren't going to uh, saddle you with, with a contract and, and a player like Kirk Cousins. Josh Johnson's season will arrive again. Oh, you know who they should trade for? They should trade for PJ Walker. Like he was, he's big yeah. in Houston, right? XFL uh, right legend. In Texas. Uh, yes, XFL legend, undefeated in the XFL. PJ Walker. That's who they should get. Um, but uh, the Madden trade that you make there is Riley Reef packaged with uh, Kirk Cousins to Dallas for a first round pick and Mike Zimmer. And, right, and Mike Zimmer. You send them all to <laughs> Dallas. And I don't know what you take back. I don't know what you get back. Yeah, maybe Lamb or something. I don't know. They probably wouldn't do that. Um, nah. Their next two first-round picks. And then it makes up for the Herschel Walker trade entirely. Easy yep. to figure oh, out. Man. Do it, Spielman. So, all right. Well, Will, this was super fun. I hope we can uh, continue to catch up from time to time on our skull searching because you have as much joy for watching these college quarterbacks as I do. And I'm – going to maybe struggle to find other reporters who are as interested in this as me. So (laughs) I'll be here. I appreciate your time and we'll do it again soon, man. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.